Alex Moset, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle to fight back and win against big tech monopolies. A couple topics for today for, for today's show. Uh, one topic is around regulation. We actually haven't talked about some big tech regulation in a few weeks now. You know, this stuff kind of comes in waves, right? So just in the span of a few days, we've had the EU passing some pretty serious rules around big tech regulation. Arguably, arguably, probably like the the biggest rule updates in years, frankly, um, or at least rules that I think could have some real impact uh, on reigning in big techs, overstepping and, and aggression. So we're going to look at what the EU is doing and then also what, what the U.S. is doing, which they are doing some things, uh, just not nearly as far along as Europe. Um, no surprise there. And we're also going to have some fun. GameStop is stiffing their management consulting firm to the tune of $30 million. And the firm is now suing GameStop. So uh, kind of a funny story there. Let's check that out. So let's start with regulation. In the past week, the EU has come out with news that they are cracking down on big tech. You know, you have to ask yourself, well, you know, I've, I've kind of heard that story for years now. Is there any there there? And the good news is that I actually think there is. They call it the DMA, the Digital Markets Act. There's going to be some pretty serious collateral damage here. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by that. So this bill is not all things good, let's be clear. But I think it will successfully rein in some of big tech, but there will be pretty serious uh, ramifications for that. I don't think these regulators in the EU are, are really understanding that, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So they're trying to go after what they are calling these digital gatekeeper companies, which are platforms. What is the bill trying to do? Uh, make messaging apps interoperable so that you can easily you know, kind of take your friend list, your your follower list, I guess, to, you know, two other apps. That's interesting. Letting users choose a default search engine. This has already been a thing. This is actually already a law. And Google has skirted around this. Um, so, th I don't know, maybe they're kind of trying to change uh, the loopholes that Google found in, in their uh, compliance to the existing rule that's already in place around search engine selection. Ensuring fair access conditions for app stores. Uh, I mean, this is basically targeting Apple and Google. Gaining explicit content consent to combine personal data to target ads. Okay. More GDPR, which honestly had had uh, honestly backfired and was a failure. Fair conditions on app stores. Good. Protecting producers. Wh who do platform monopolies take advantage of when they get to monopoly scale? actually not the consumer. Maybe maybe on the fringe, the consumer is disadvantaged, but on the whole, consumers are still probably in the positive with all the value they get from these platform monopolies. It's the producers, it's the suppliers who get taken advantage of, right? So ensuring fair access conditions on app stores, big deal. It's helping your app developers not get uh, disadvantaged by Apple and Google. What are some examples of this? Look at Spotify versus Apple and Apple Music. Uh, look at, you know, basically any app, um, you know, if you talk to the Fortnite folks, uh, they will talk your head off for weeks, if not months, about all the ways that uh, they have been taken advantage of by big tech monopolies, hurting their ability to do what they want in the app store. But basically, you've seen many of these app stores give their own apps uh, advantages 
and access to, for example, APIs with Tile, where Tile wanted access to certain APIs, Apple wouldn't give it to them. Then Apple launches their own competitive product literally the next day while Tile is is testifying to, you know, to Congress. Um, so you see this all over the place. Uh, Tech Monopoly advantages their own products. Disadvantages third-party products. This is trying to level that playing field as it relates to app stores. The last bullet here, which I think is is the most important bullet, is banning platforms from ranking their own products higher than others. So Amazon, Amazon ranking its own Amazon Basics products higher than other third-party seller products. Boom, that's in trouble. Uh, Google Search, Google Search preferring its own websites and its own products over other third-party products. Google Search, big trouble here. This also would have applicability to the App Store, right? If you're favoring Apple Music over Spotify in the App Store rankings, right? You know, the list goes on and on and on in the number of ways that, you know, once these platforms are monopolies, they are essentially also platform conglomerates. And when they have multiple products that are now competing against third-party producers' products, then they favor and advantage their own products. So this comes directly at that. So all that on, on the face of it is good. The data thing is, is a quagmire for EU and, and GDPR. GDPR has helped Apple and Google uh, not hurt them. Um, go watch our other video talking about why that is if you're interested. Here's where it gets mucky is what are they defining as a gatekeeper? So negotiators agreed the gatekeepers include companies with a market value of 75 billion euros. Okay. Um, or 7.5 billion euros in annual revenue within the EU and at least 45 million monthly users and 10,000 yearly business users of at least one core platform. That's like a bunch of companies in addition to platforms, right? What they're missing here, and this is, this is frankly the issue that regulators, whether in the EU or in the US or elsewhere, have failed to grasp about platforms and this definition, or regulators and legislators have failed to grasp about the dynamic of the platform business model is that it's two-sided. You got consumers on one side and you have producers on the other. So nowhere in this definition are they illuminating uh, this dynamic, right? So if you go look at Plat, the ETF that we launched with Wisdom Tree, you can go, go look at how we created an index to define what is a public stock, a public platform stock, uh, and how do we quantify that and how do we track that? And so if you go on Wisdom Tree's site, learn more about the index that Plat is designed to track. Look at the equity index methodology. Here it is. It's 132 pages of how we have created an index to qualify if you are actually a platform business or not. Uh, what's the, the cheat sheet, the TLDR, is basically there is a producer-consumer dynamic, which does not exist anywhere in this definition. Just as you need to have 45 million monthly users or and 10,000 business users. And then you make a bunch of money. So that could be banks, uh, linear transportation companies, right? Like airlines and stuff. I mean, 
There's so many companies that would fit this definition. It's well-intentioned, but it's lazy. And it's, it just, it's just low-grade quality work, right? Like you're not doing justice to the qualification about the regulatory burden that these rules will have on the economy. So, you know, you're going after a, a very uh, specific set of audience and you have some things which are good to rein in big techs overstepping. And yes, they have absolutely abused their power and they do need to be reined in. Basically the whole point of our show. But it's just, you could, you have so many smart people that get paid so much money. You can't give me a better definition uh, of what a digital gatekeeper is. Ridiculous. So I think this thing goes into effect next year. And um, there's, it's going to cause chaos for a bunch of large enterprises that are not gatekeepers. The U.S. didn't want to be left out of what the EU is doing. The EU, I think, has actually passed these and they're going to go into effect next year. Maybe there's a way that these rules can be challenged. I don't know. But uh, EU much farther along. U.S. doesn't want to be left out of the foray. And so now they are saying, hey, we're going to do stuff too. Uh, so the FTC chair, Lena Khan, is very supportive and, you know, uh, positive on what the EU is doing. And I guess she's optimistic that the U.S. is going to be able to do stuff, too, I guess. This was, I thought, interesting. Representative Ken Buck from Colorado, the top GOP member of the House Judiciary Antitrust Panel, said he expects three antitrust reforms to become law this summer. And this is when he was speaking in Brussels as a part of this re you know, regulatory conference. And he says um, he expects legislation to increase merger filing fees, which basically means you know, for platform monopolies, for platforms looking to do M&A, they have to pay more money to the government, which I guess should allow the government to get more, yet again, more resources, because our government doesn't already have enough federal employees, to allow them to do more uh, work to potentially challenge, uh, you know, the the transaction. Bar tech giants from preferencing their own products. That's a big deal. That is that was the last bullet from the EU's regulation and the most important bullet of that regulation. So if that goes through, that's a big, big, big deal. And then lastly, third third thing here is force Apple and Google to open up their app stores to greater competition which is actually the second most impactful bullet uh, from the EU. So good. You know, it's actually the, the top two things that they took, you know, that the EU is doing. This guy is bullish saying that he thinks they will become law this summer, which would be great news. Provided that the U.S. could again, I mean, the U.S. has a similar concept around you know, just using market cap and revenue and like monthly active users as like some magic mechanism to say, oh, yeah, these are gatekeepers because they've got a bunch of users and uh, they are worth a bunch of money. So then they they must be a platform monopoly like. No, and it's not even close. So provided they can fix that and rein that in, then I'm super bullish on this. Otherwise. Yes, you, you, you will have an impact on big tech, but at what cost, right? Like think of all the other companies in this country that are then going to be beleaguered with this lazy, uh, it's just lazy and just like B grade quality work. 
like Lena Khan should know how to better define like you are a platform or not because you have a two-sided dynamic. You got producers, you got third-party sellers. We use a bunch of concepts. They could just go read through the the different uh, objective uh, qualifications that we use for the index. So, you know, you go read through the 10Ks of these companies. They will talk about having producers. They will talk about having third-party producers. They will talk about um, network effects. They will talk about you know, you'll see it on the balance sheet that they have an asset light balance sheet. You'll see it in certain disclosures that, you know, um, you have to you have to provide, um, you know, for example, if you have certain supplier or inventory risk. Right. You will have different kinds of disclosures if you are a platform company than if you are a, a linear company where you're, you know, buying your inventory and then reselling it or however that works, right? Either your asset heavy or your asset light. And you start to see um, that there are much better ways to classify this objectively uh, than just users and big market cap. I mean, it's a joke. GameStop is refusing to pay a $30 million bill to their consulting firm. And the only reason we know why is because the consulting firm has now sued GameStop to get that money. I mean, that's like we do advisory work. We we charge fees for that work. $30 million. That's a lot of money. OK, a lot of money. GameStop stock. GameStop has a $12 billion market cap. They do $5 billion in revenue. They are not profitable. They lose money. So this was in uh, 2020. And then early 2021 is when all of this started to unravel. So, yeah, so BCG was doing work um, with them in 2020. They, you know, were attaching their fees to the value that they created. They signed a contract in August of 2019 in an attempt to turn around the business. Once a highly profitable company, da, 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 GameStop was in trouble. And BCG said, hey, we'll come and figure this out for you. BCG said that its contract with GameStop provided that BCG would be compensated on the greater of, so whichever of these two things is greater, a fixed fee or a variable fee based upon projected profit improvement. Hmm. And so BCG is saying, hey, GameStop, you haven't, you haven't given us the information to properly calculate how much profit improvement we have created for you but we think it's roughly $30 million. The concept of basing BCG's variable fees on projected improvements rather than the actual results was negotiated and agreed upon by the parties specifically to ensure that BCG and GameStop's incentives were aligned. The structure was intended to incentivize BCG to significantly improve profits, prevent BCG from taking credit for and or being penalized for outside factors, and to protect, protect BCG from additional factors such as GameStop's basically inability to execute. So they're doing it off of like predicted or projected profit improvement, not even actual profit improvement. There's just so many things that are crazy with this. I wish I could sign a deal. I can't sign. Who, who gets to sign a deal like this? We don't get to sign deals like this. Who is this chief transformation officer that BCG loved, this Daniel Kaufman guy? This is who they actually signed the contract with. So this is the guy who did the deal. He was at GameStop for 18 years. 
And now he has his own, guess what, management consulting firm. So I guess it's how juicy those uh, those contracts can be for BCG. Jim Bell, GameStop's CFO, basically was like, no, I'm not doing this contract. <laughs> and and just like wouldn't show up to the meetings and wouldn't give them the information so they could calculate their variable comp. It's interesting why it got to to this point, right? Like these management consulting firms, BCG, McKinsey, they are so um, secretive about the dealings that they have. Some, you know, they don't even really like to mention who their clients are, let alone how they structure their contract. And like, especially when things go bad, having that really be like out there in, in the public domain. So they must feel really strongly about this, that they did really good work and they put in a lot of time for them to just go through the pain of being in the public spotlight like this. Over $30 million. By the way, BCG is like an $8 billion revenue company and they make phenomenally healthy margins on the work that they do. There's a funny quote from the company. This is the quote from GameStop. GameStop told the Financial Times, we do not believe it is in our stockholders' best interest to pay the tens of millions of dollars sought by BCG, especially given their seemingly meager impact on the company's bottom line. We will fight this suit and are proud that GameStop no longer utilizes the likes of BCG for any services. GameStop also said the lawsuit reflects BCG's prioritization of excessive fees over clients' interests. It is confounding that the high-priced consultants at BCG Claim to have delivered hundreds of millions of, in value for GameStop during a period when share price, sales, and debt were at perilous levels. Yeah, I mean, grand scheme of things, BCG, all this negative press, $8 billion company, $30 million bill. Ooh, yeah, it just uh, seems like a pretty tall order. But uh, yeah, they're going for it. And they're in it now. So, and the press is all over this thing. Uh, I mean, it has not been a good couple of years for these large management consulting firms. Look at this spat between BCG and GameStop or McKinsey's uh, deal in South Africa. Like literally like the country of South Africa banished McKinsey. You know, there is value that these consultants can create, but... It just seems really loosey-goosey, like projected profit share and really high variable fees, even if the company doesn't like implement them. I don't know. It just seems a little detached from reality, BCG. I mean, come on. So anyway, hope you enjoyed our show today. We'll be talking to you soon.